This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. All right, welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. We're talking about a May today, and we have a return guest, Jaco Gorman. Jake, how are you doing today? Hi, Greg. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming back. This is uh, we're getting close to Amelia. We're about a week away by the time that this posts, and there's a lot of cool, great cars. Now, for my listeners, if you're looking for some of the newer cars, wait till next week. I have Philip Richter on talking about some of those newer cars. Uh, so this is going to be some more of the old school cars with a couple new cars thrown in there. Um, so Jake, yeah, let's talk about this. Um, so what's the schedule? Let's see. We're uh, the auctions on Saturday, correct? Yes. So Saturday at noon is uh, when we're starting the auction and we have preview on Thursday and Friday, sort of all yes. day. Yep. And it's a new location. Our last year at Amelia and uh, I've got, I'm pulling it up here. It is at 4171 Amelia Island Parkway. So it's near the airport, correct? Correct. Yeah. Very close to the airport uh, in a kind of a, a treed, like a treed area and uh actually i got a video yesterday of what the tent's going to look like and it's pretty it's very impressive it's massive you know clear span tenting everything has uh decking and floor under it it's going to be a a different look for amelia but i I think it's gonna it's gonna be really cool when it's all said and done yeah i'm excited about it i can't wait to get down there and uh, and check it all out. I know it's quite the operation to get these things set up, no matter where it is. And uh, yeah. our team does an incredible job. 100%. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's talk about some of these cool cars here. So uh, we're going to go across the board a little bit. And uh, the first one I want to pull up here is this uh, 1969 Ferrari Daytona. Actually, really, it's called a 365 GTV4. Um, this is such an iconic car. I don't know your thoughts on this. It's the estimate is 550 to 650. Um, I feel like these have been a little soft lately in the marketplace. I feel like if Dinos are trading for 800 grand, these <laughs> ought to be up there, right? What are your thoughts on yeah, this yeah, car? Yeah, it's, it's got way more cylinders. <laughs> I know it's got twice the cylinders. <laughs> uh, so uh, Daytona is inter- interesting in that you know, kind of we've seen swings in value on Daytonas historically. Uh, they kind of you know, at one point they were trading closer to a million dollars for just a normal car and then back down around, you know, 500, 600, 700 grand. Uh, so it's, uh, I'm always, I'm, I don't know exactly why they have this, this swing sometimes throughout, you know, throughout the years, but as far as a driving car, you know, I mean, this is what replaced the 275, uh, you know, GTB and, you know, as a Grand Tour car, I mean, it's got good room in it. It makes a, a really great noise. You know, front engine naturally aspirated V12. You know, they're they're a cool car, and I hate to use the cliche poster car, but it is that of the you know, early seventies. This one being a '69, right? First, you know, first year. But you know, they're I like them once uh, when I have the opportunity to drive them like i did this car and um, they just oh they're they like to go fast it's not a car <laughs> to kind of put around town <laughs> right right and this one's a beautiful black on black 
It's from a well-known collection exhibited at the 1969 Canadian Automobile Show. So that's pretty cool. And it has a plexiglass uh, nose as well as air conditioning. So it seems like a pretty cool one. I just thought, you know, I just think in general, you know, with the prices of Dinos, these are undervalued. I actually, I think I picked it for one of my bull market lists for 2023. So I am curious to see what this one sells for. I know we had one at, uh, I think we had, I, there's a couple that have sold recently up higher in the 750 range. So I'm really curious to see what this one does. All right. The next one goes to kind of the next gen here. This is a big boy toy here. This is the Jaguar XJR15 1991. This thing's really kind of nuts. This is a car I didn't know existed till a couple years ago. Um, it's only only 27 of them built. Basically, a uh, Group C prototype race car for the street, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, and it's it's pretty cool that uh, you know this was sort of the seeing the the evolution that this particular car was trying to bring into Jaguar, obviously they ended up going that route. And, uh, you know, the design of this went on to, um, um, uh, McLaren. Right. Right. I believe, yep. I believe right. Like shortly after, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Peter Stevens. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there, it's also another car that I wasn't as familiar with until I got into the industry, uh, because it's not something you see, at really any shows unless you're uh, you know a higher end concours or something like sure. that uh they're pretty wild cars they make uh incredible noise even just when they fire up um they sound like a race car and <laughs> just the way that you know you know kind of hear gears and and different mechanical sounds it makes uh i'm i'm 5 11 on a good day <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not necessarily, you know, I'm not like NASCAR driver skinny, like new NASCAR driver skinny, a little tight for me to fit right. NASCAR. So I think if you're over six foot, you're kind of out of luck. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah, it's basically, it's a race car for the streets. Yeah, very cool because it's <laughs> rear engined. And, you know, I've seen a video on these uh, with Jazz out of Tennessee. I think it was on Petrolicious. Mm -hmm. And really cool. I mean, it's so loud that you actually have headphones built into the car so you can talk to your passenger. Uh, truly nuts. This one's basically brand new. I mean, it has 153 miles from new. Uh, estimate on this one's 1.2 to 1.5. I want to say the last one that sold was right around the 1.3, 1.4. So that seems dead on uh, from an evaluation standpoint. So this thing looks really nuts. I believe this will be truly intimidating for the first time you sit in this thing and try to fire it up. But I would love to have a shot at it. So, uh, very cool car. All right. Now, the next three cars I picked are right up your alleyway. It's a 1929, 1930, 1931 cars. Um, the first one's a 1929 Rolls-Royce Phantom Derby Speedster. Do I have the right? I got the wrong picture here. Oh, yeah. I, I got it right. Okay. Yep. Um, this is a really cool car. Um, I also want you to talk a little bit about the next ones, the Cadillac V16, which was revolutionary in 1930. And then we have a stellar Duesenberg from 1931. So they're all, well, the first two are basically the same estimates, you know, low one millions. Uh, but then the Duesenberg goes kind of nuts from a valuation standpoint. So tell us a little bit about this first one, the Rolls Royce Phantom. Yeah. So this. Uh, this Rolls Royce Phantom, it's one of the U.S. built, uh, you know, Brewster Brewster Carriage Company built Rolls Royces in uh, that was pretty much assembled everything in the U.S. So 
even though it's a Rolls Royce, it was built in America. Uh, so left-hand drive, center shift, uh, transmission, and they were really going for a really sporty look. And this is, you know, 29. Um, so, you know, it was kind of at the height of that, you know, the roaring 20s right before the crash. And, right. Uh, yeah, so what what they did on these is, you know, pretty wild bodywork with those cut doors, um, kind of like scalp-shaped doors. They raised the, f- the fenders up in the back to kind of make it most speedster-ish and uh, just gave it a really intimidating look, especially in black. And this car, it's really well known about. It was originally owned by... Uh, Maxwell House Coffee uh, family, <laughs> like <laughs> delivered new. And what's pretty cool about these about these rolls too is you have these records back to who de- took delivery of it. And this also survived, you know, all the way through till today with its, you know, all its matching pieces. You know, it was wow. never blown apart. Or what happened a lot is uh, cars would be swapped bodies. So this is a Phantom 1 chassis, and when the Phantom 2 came out, uh, shortly after this was built, uh, what they would have done is to upgrade your car, you would take the body off and put it on the new chassis, because it's right. a, you know, a newer, better chassis. Um, so that never happened to this car. So it's as it was, you know, it's, its whole life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. It's very beautiful. Like you said, sinister looking for sure. All right, the next one's the V16 1930. Now, this would be the first year of the V16 Cadillac, correct? Yep. Yeah, 30. Yeah, 31. And that was kind of the. Okay. All right, so we got the 1930. This one seems. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 1930 estimates 1.1 to 1.5. This one seems very special. It's in the same family from 1933 to 2014. Wow. And it looks like it has this original engine and coach work. So uh, tell us a little bit about this car. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to touch this car back uh, <laughs> back when we when we actually sold it for Mr. Moore uh, uh, several years ago now. I want to say they believe it was 2014, 2014 or 15. Yep. Uh, we sold the A to Z collection Hershey, and this car was you know, the highlight of that, of that collection. So this car is special because it had, it's, you know, as he said, uh, more junior, John Jr., that it's wearing the only colors it ever did. And I think it's pretty cool that he drove this car to college. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And that it, it had been in, in, you know, in the family since 33. Wow. So that's, it just, it's pretty cool that it, again, it survived. It was never, you know, hot rotted or cut up or, you know, sent to the scrap drive during right. second or uh it's pretty cool that way. And he didn't really show the car. So it's not something that's been on the concourse circuit, you know, where it's it's really known about. He didn't really show it. And, you know, to my knowledge, the the you know current custodian who's selling it, he didn't, you know, exhibit it much at all either. So it's kind of a, a fresh thing, at least to the, you know, the concourse circuit. You know, yes, it was restored in the 90s. So there'll probably be some, you know, some things you'll want to be freshened up. But it's a super 
it's a super great good thing because again it's all its original parts except i think for uh, uh, you know a mascot and side mirrors because they just crumble the metal but everything <laughs> right. else is you know as it was which again pretty cool a lot of some of these cars had uh you know v16 roasters the body the uh, main uh, roadster body it's the same as a v8 and well a v8's you know 100 and, 100 and a quarter let's say right well you put that on a v16 chassis and suddenly you have a million dollar car so yeah. right 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 it's a special <laughs> thing not, it's a special <laughs> thing that you know that this one's pure it's not one that's been swapped around or messed with Sure. Okay. Well, the next one is extremely special. So this is the 1931. So we went from 29 to 30. Now we're at 31. So this is the Duesenberg <laughs> Model J disappearing top convertible coupe by Murphy. S1 on this one is 3.85 to 4.5 million dollars. Again, this one seems like it has all the original stuff on it. Uh, it's in some Hollywood films. And if you would talk to the rarity of this, because I know like. You know, you can have an eight hundred thousand dollar Duesenberg, and you can have a five million dollar Duesenberg. Um, what sets this one apart from the others? I know the disappearing top's a pretty big deal. Definitely. So, as far as I want to say, in terms of production, like they made more than like three. <laughs> um, you know, dis you know disappearing top as a, as a more production body from Murphy. Um, it's, you know, high up there in the valuation compared to, you know, obviously a custom, a custom one-off thing is going to you know, bring more money, but you know, this disappearing top coach work, extremely popular, uh, especially with, you know, with collectors, just the lines on it are gorgeous where the top's completely hidden has just that very small slanted windshield, uh, you know, on it and, you have this clear line all the way back from the hood kind yeah. of straight, you know, back to the, uh, you know, top of the rear trunk lid and, and it curves down. So in terms of beauty, I really like these cars. It's, it's really pretty. I mean, if you look at this compared to just, you know, the Cadillac Cadillac being a roadster, the Cadillac looks just older being right. you know, a top that kind of sits on top of the body. It's a little more, upright or this one looks just a little bit lower and longer with that disappearing top and the and the rigged windshield yeah this thing's really cool so i know the coach work adds a lot of value to the car or it can so which 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 all right i'm gonna put you on the spot here which is worth more a exact same car uh non-disappearing top but with a murphy body or a disappearing top with a not as beautiful body so that's <laughs> so it's <laughs> with well with these it, it really comes down to how it looks you know body okay body just how the body looks because we sold a a disappearing top rolston which uh in monterey this last year that they only built one of them and the car was uh the you know when it was new when it was two three years old the body was switched from a supercharged chassis to a regular chassis because the owner didn't like the supercharger it was too much maintenance and gave, gave her problems uh, right so it was a one-off rolston body disappearing top 
you know, you could argue it's not as popular because they only made one. So there was only one out there to, you know, circle. Uh, but the guy, uh, the collector, he owned it for since 67 and it had a really old restoration. It, you know, it could be restored again. And that sold for 4.8 million bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and it was a 1960s restoration and, but uh, you know, a one-off, you know, body. Um, so yeah, it definitely comes down to like the body and the look, uh, cause there's even some English coach builders that have put bodies on American cars that look really good. And some that maybe don't look as, you know, sure. Sporty. Yeah. It comes down to which is the most attractive. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's just what, what's pretty. What's pretty. All right. Well, we got, we got interesting here. We don't typically have two, uh, SL Mercedes in one auction and this one we do. So it's pretty interesting to compare these two. Uh, one's a 1958 estimates 1.3 to 1.6. It's got pretty cool colors, kind of like a dark blue with gray interior. And then the second one's a 1963, one of the last ones built, 1.6 to 1.8 million. Now that's the alloy block with disc brakes. Um, how would you compare these two and which one would you prefer? Definitely. So I originally, when I first saw photos of this, of this yellow car, uh, of the, uh, the yellow Mercedes, I wasn't as excited about it, but once I saw the professional photography and, yeah. you know, the like tobacco interior and the brown top and, and, and the story of it too, that, it, you know, same guy owned it forever. Uh, it's passed through a bunch of, you know, well-known collectors hands. You know, it's definitely grown on me. I, <clears throat> I'd say I like, honestly, for, for, Rally and touring. These are fantastic cars. I drove one on this on this little one, this little uh, trip we did to Hershey this last year, uh, and just put gas in it and checked the oil. That was it. It they just work for being a car from you know designed in the fifties and to you know early sixties. They're fantastic. I would honestly, I like the Skip Barber car, uh, the the blue one, just as. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't feel as bad taking it on a big rally <laughs> and getting, you know, maybe a stone chip or so in it uh, simply because it, you know, its restorations mellowed, you know, being from uh, early 2000s restoration uh, compared to the little bit the fresher restoration on the on the yellow, the uh, alloy block car. Yeah. And this, the disc brakes and alloy blocks is a pretty big deal, right, for these cars as far mm -hmm. as evaluation, uh, drivability. hundred percent. And, you know. They're from the well. What's interesting that um, I believe it was the the Cushaway car that we sold that had you know three hundred thousand miles on it. And there's I, I've heard before that oh alloy blocks are you know they're fragile or like you can't rally them or da da da. Well, that Cushaway car had an alloy block in it, and it just comes down to service. As long as it's maintained, you know fluids are flushed. They're, they're great. And yeah, from a valuation standpoint, alloy block and disc brakes, they're, you know, significant, you know, value adds for the, uh, for those cars. And you can see right. that. In the estimates. Yeah. And these estimates exactly. I think the highest one on the blue car was 1.6, whereas, you know, I think the other one started there. So, all right, cool. Well, I just have a few more cars here. I'm, I, uh, I got three that I definitely want to cover. So one of them is this, <laughs> this Thunderbird. So now if you've listened to my podcast, I know the listeners will know. I've often said Thunderbirds have been pretty soft lately, mostly because if you 
if that was like your pinnacle car for your collection, you're probably selling it right now just as a demographics change and people age out of their collections. Uh, but I've seen a couple really hit the bell. We had a we had that car with the with dual quads at at Scottsdale that went pretty mm-hmm. significantly above the high estimate, and that like this car was was black with red interior, correct? Yes. And um, this one seems like to be the one to have. This is the F code uh, factory supercharged, right? Yes, hundred percent factory supercharged, factory three speed manual with overdrive. Uh, and delivered in these colors, the black yeah. red with a black hard top, California car, no soft top. <laughs> so right, right, right. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's a lightness thing. <laughs> I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, no, super cool car. I again, you know, to your point, usually Thunderbirds. Yeah, that is you know more coming up than maybe you know, are being bought <laughs> in terms right. of like a, a standard automatic, you know, 212, just, you know, kind of a, a normal car. And normally, you know, they'll have, you know, wire wheels or be in a color like a, you know, a pink or white, red, you know, something like that. This car, I love it. It's very sinister looking with, you know, black with the, uh, you know, steel wheels with <laughs> the small hubcaps on it and black wall yeah. tires. Um, I, I really like that. And yeah, being an F bird, you know, it's a rare thing. And you know, these were reported to make from factory three hundred horsepower, but you know, according to you know publications at the time, they were closer to four hundred, which is pretty wild in a nineteen. You know, um, it's a muscle car from fifty seven, basically. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it will be interesting to see because I forgot the estimate. It was something like one twenty-five to one fifty on the other one, which was not an F code, right? It was like an E code mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and it and it hit like one seventy-five. Now I know it was a. My understanding, it was a very nice restoration. Beautiful car. Yeah. And so this one, the estimate I think was one seventy-five to two twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll be really curious to see what this one does, considering the rarity of it. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think very the, cool. The look, the look of it too, right? Yeah, the look of it's cool. There's a couple cars. I'm just going to skip over here real quick, just for time's sakes. But we do have a nice uh, Ferrari chairs and flares. Um, do you like the chairs and flares, or do you want just the flares or just the chairs? What's your preference on these? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I was saying I have a chance to drive these before. I'd say, you know, from a uh, me driving one around i couldn't tell the difference <laughs> but i i do like the look of it you know with those daytona inserts i think yeah i do like that it's a really i like that contrast it gives it and you know the flares are just it's fun i mean hey I, yeah. I, I like those I, I like the 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 body on these the uh these if you have a chance to put some miles on them they're really wonderful handling cars and you know whereas Whereas the, you know, a Daytona of similar vintage is going to, you know, be heavy at low speeds and kind of just want to be a fast, you know, GT, you know, touring, like high speed car. This, you know, it's a ton of fun to get up to speed and then nimble, you know, going around corners. Um, Right. You know, we had one of these at an online sale uh, back during COVID back in 2020 and we were able to put some miles on it around here. Of course, the roads are quiet. And yeah, they're fantastically, you know, fantastic handling cars. So yeah. it's a lot of fun to drive, you know, between the speed limits and up to it. 
whereas a Daytona, you know, more fun to drive over. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're beautiful cars as well. Very, very beautiful cars. All right, two more. These are our big cars for the auction, so I have to talk about these. The first one is the mm -hmm. 2010 Pagani Zonda R Revolution specification. Uh, not, I was almost said Roadster here. This thing is absolutely nuts. 4.8 to 6.8 million dollars. A fifth of just 10 R examples. Now, I know a lot of times Pagani will buy these things back, right? They don't want them out on the open market like this. Uh, you know, do you think this is going to go nuts? I mean, what's your thoughts on this car? Well, I think this is part of that, you know, next generation of, of card collector that, you know, they're maybe not paying as much attention to the stuff, you know, the, the, the traditional, you know, fifties Ferraris or, uh, you know, uh, you know, Duesenbergs and stuff like that, where, where they see their value. And that is, is in these, you know, extremely limited production kind of homologation or, uh, you know, race cars and right. like, a like, like the Zondas. I mean, there's, you know, at least I know there's, you know, younger collectors who are, you know, have some money and they're going after these types of cars to collect and drive and use. So there's, kind of a different uh a different set of collectors that are, who are really going after these cars yeah yeah it's really wicked look a little more out out there i like i, I found a uh blue dark blues on the i think it was at at monterey but it was just absolutely stunning this one's definitely over the top 780 horsepower <laughs> clk gtr drive six liter v12 by amg so it's a monster i can't wait to hear it up uh i'm hoping that we uh rev this as it's pulling up onto the stage there that would be really really awesome all right so for our last car this is a car i was fortunate to see at cavallino 1959 ferrari 250 gtv i'm sorry gt long wheelbase california spider this is the car if i can only have one ferrari this is the car uh let's see estimates nine to eleven million dollars one of the rarest and most comfortable driving versions of the covered headlight california spider Tell us a little bit about this car. It is absolutely stunning. So this is of the era when you would buy a car to, you know, race on the weekends and drive to work uh, the rest of the time, which is pretty cool. And this particular one was ordered with a you know, little higher specification engine, just the way the airbox is. And, oh, uh, airbox is and nuts. A little bit hotter cams than that. Uh, yeah. And what, what's pretty cool is... Uh, the first owner of this car was an 18 year old. Uh, oh my goodness. 18 year old up in, uh, it was up uh, in the Northeast somewhere. Um, and he only owned it for a couple of years, but you know, pretty cool that, Hey, this is your, you know, you're 18 and you're driving this thing around. <laughs> um, it's, but yeah, th this was, you know, at the time for, it was, uh, you know, between, uh, uh, Luigi Canetti and uh, it's a Norman was the last name out, I believe, out in California. They were getting more, you know, road, road capable or road Ferraris. Right. Whereas, you know, normally they were, you know, like the, building like the Monzas and the, you know, 340s and just things that were more, uh, you know, track focused or, you know, race cars. So this thing was a pretty cool combination of those two, you know, of those two worlds. I love it. Um, you know, obviously, there's, you know, so there's maybe one or two movies that highlight uh, California <laughs> Spider, but uh, we'll mention them here. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's a wonderful looking car. I think, you know, I think they make great noises. Those, you know, the the 250s, the, again, when they wind up like, yeah. and get into the higher revs. Yeah, yeah this one's stunning. Yeah, it's like a dark burgundy with tan interior. Uh, absolutely stunning. What's cool is this was featured in the 1959 issue of Sports Car Illustrated. So when it was new, it was already making the rounds because it's such a beautiful, outstanding car. Uh, yeah, absolutely stunning. If I won the lottery, it had to be a big lottery. Uh, this is the car I would buy, right? So, hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's no, it's it's they're great things. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today, Jake. I know I'll see you in about a week or so. And uh, for our listeners, if you're down in Amelia Island, be sure to look up both of us and say hello. I uh, appreciate your time today. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.